welcome to another exciting episode of the Energy Central Power Perspectives podcast. As our regular listeners know, we discuss everything that is energy and utility related and connected directly with the people pushing the industry forward. I'm your host, Jason Price of West Monroe, Community Ambassador with Energy Central and based in New York City. Joining me from Orlando, Florida is my friend and Energy Central Community Manager, Matt Chester. Hi, Matt. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jason, and I'm ready for another invigorating conversation in the utility sector. We never record these episodes without learning a lot from our guests, and so I'm eager to find what lessons we'll get to take away from today's episode. Absolutely. Matt, just as people are getting used to the new normal that 2020 thrust upon us, it seems the world may be gradually building back, and the utility space is still in its ever-evolving self. UN Secretary General's vision for the recovery is to build back better, a theme the global organization has regularly used in the wake of the disasters, and a message that has been adapted by President Biden specifically to the COVID-19 disaster and the resulting economic fallout. In order to build back better, the United States is primed to deliver much-needed policy to address the climate crisis. This podcast has recently featured such dynamic developments paving the way for the future, more climate-friendly utility with technologies like DER, electric vehicles, digital transformation, and more. But today we're going to move our conversation to renewable resources and the frequently overlooked forgotten workhorse of the energy system known as hydropower. Hydropower may not be stealing headlines from solar and wind, but it can technically be considered the original source of clean energy dating back thousands of years to when hydro-powered wheels used by the Greeks to grind flour. In the United States, hydropower electricity generation as we know it dates back to the late 19th century. So the idea is anything but new, but there's still plenty of room for modernization to take hydropower to the next level moving forward. Traditional hydropower accounted for 8% of U.S. generation in 2020 and is expected to remain at about that level for at least the next two years. But from a global business standpoint, in 2019, the global hydropower generation industry garnered over $202 billion, a total that is expected to grow to $320 billion by 2027. A primary driver for this trend is the increased focus on hydroelectricity in emerging economies and the rising consciousness toward adoption of clean energy technologies. A recent report called Reinvigorating Hydropower highlights hydropower as the premier renewable energy resource in terms of both cost and carbon reduction, but also acknowledges certain headwinds affecting the industry's growth. That report was put out by the National Hydropower Association and Chelan County Public Utility District. And our guest today has key involvement in this area of study and focus. He'll help us get a better understanding of the hydropower industry's current situation in the United States and share more information about its role as one of our nation's key energy resources. However, before we get into it, let's first give a shout out to our sponsors who have made this episode possible. To West Monroe. West Monroe works with the nation's largest electric, gas, and water utilities in their telecommunication, grid modernization, and digital and workforce transformations. West Monroe brings a multidisciplinary team that blends utility, operations, and technology expertise to address modernizing aging infrastructure, advisory on transportation electrification, ADMS deployments, DER, and cybersecurity. 
to ESRI, an international supplier of geographic information, GIS software, WebGIS, and geodatabase management applications, to Enterix. Enterix is focused on delivering transformative broadband that enables the modernization of critical infrastructure for the energy, transportation, logistics, and other sectors of our economy. To Scott Madden, a management consulting firm serving clients across the energy utility ecosystem. Areas of focus include transmission and distribution, the grid edge, generation, energy markets, rates and regulations, corporate sustainability, and corporate services. The firm helps clients develop and implement strategies, improve critical operations, reorganize departments and entire companies, and implement a myriad of initiatives. Our guest today is Steve Wright, General Manager of Chelan PUD, the public utility district responsible for providing electricity, water, and telecom services to Chelan County in Washington State. Steve has been a public power leader for nearly 40 years, and in that time, he's gained recognition as one of our country's experts within the energy industry. During his career, Steve Wright has shown his commitment to collaboration and public engagement as he has led critical discussions about public power and policy decisions. Prior to joining Chelan PUD in 2013, Wright worked for the Bonneville Power Administration for over 32 years, serving the final 12 years as BPA's CEO. He holds numerous leadership positions on multiple boards, including the American Public Power Association and the Alliance to Save Energy. And he is a strong advocate of key topics like hydropower relicensing, energy efficiency, and climate change. Hydropower plays a key role in the generation profile of Chelan PUD, as is the case in much of the Pacific Northwest. It's with this lens that allows him to guide the utility to team up with the National Hydropower Association to release the reinvigorating hydropower report, looking at how this most reliable and constant of renewable resources is not a legacy fuel standing still, but can be key to the recipe of dynamic energy mixes across the sector in the years to come where decarbonization and diversification of generation is becoming more important than ever. I'm quite excited to dive into the hydro discussion with Steve, learning from one of the most accomplished and knowledgeable in this field. Steve Wright, welcome to today's episode of Energy Central's Power Perspectives. Well, thank you so much for being here. It's a real pleasure to join you. You guys are doing a great job keeping people informed about the energy industry. Steve, one of the major highlights of the reinvigorating hydropower report is that it slates hydropower as the premier renewable energy resource, particularly when evaluating based on the pillars of cost, reliability, and carbon reduction. Given the current global movement towards clean tech, how well do you think hydropower will be able to partner with wind and solar and other renewables to achieve the environmental goals as part of a system of energy generation? Well, it's going to be absolutely critical because our goals in the electric utility industry is a three-legged stool. We want to be clean, affordable, and reliable. And we're going to have to be all three to be the center point of the rapid carbon transformation that's going to go in in our country because we count on electrification. And people are not going to be willing to fuel switch into electricity if it's not reliable, affordable, and clean. The key thing that hydropower brings is it's the most reliable of really any type of generating resource, not just renewable resources. And I say that because there are lots of characteristics of hydropower that are necessary for reliability. 
in fact, you have to think about all the different types of reserves that are needed on a system, the ability to have inertia, to be able to do black start if you have a shutdown of a, of a system. Hydropower provides all those characteristics better than any other generating resource. So it's going to be critical as we're thinking about a system that's run primarily on variable energy resources available when the sun shines and the wind blows to be able to have that core resource that can assure that you will have a reliable system and you want it to be low cost as well because affordability is going to be important and hydropower brings that low cost resource to the mix. I don't see us being successful as a country in the clean energy transformation without a significant element of hydropower. Some of the hydropower pushback also comes from an environmental perspective. The impact that hydropower resources may have on local ecosystems like water resources. Of course, all generation sources have their own issues, whether land resources needed for solar, the concerns of wildlife impacts by wood turbines, localized pollution from fossil fuels or otherwise. How do you weigh the environmental hazards that may come with hydropower compared with the benefits? And how do you think they compare with other types of generation? And how does the broader climate discussion factor into all this? Well, of course, the big advantage that hydropower brings to the table is that it has no air emissions and that there's no carbon that has to be reduced out of it. And clearly the biggest environmental challenge of our time is to address climate change. We know that there can be some issues with hydropower, certainly with respect to aquatic species. In the Pacific Northwest, salmon would be the big issue that we're concerned about because they're anadromous species. They're traversing the river and going out to the ocean and then returning to complete their life cycle. And those are challenged with respect to having a dam in the middle of a river. But we are working to find ways to be able to address those concerns. We've substantially reduced the mortality associated with passage at dams for uh, salmon and other species. And in fact, we are now making contributions because hydropower is so valuable to general habitat restoration beyond just the river system where the dam resides. This means that we're actually creating a benefit for society. Uh, just to give you a sense, there are 11 million people who live in the Pacific Northwest today. A hundred years ago, there were only a million people. Those people are definitely having an impact on the environment for all salmon and steelhead that live in the Northwest. Contributions from the hydropower system are being made to help improve the habitat in tributaries and even into the pollution that goes into streams that actually increases the value to salmon. So hydropower is number one, making sure that we are not making our biggest environmental problem, carbon emissions, any worse, and in fact, actually helping to improve it. And then on top of that, hydropower is creating an environmental advantage for the species that are impacted by the operation and existence of the dams. Let's continue with the report. Despite the immense benefits you note from hydro, the report also delved into the relative ignorance of hydropower by policymakers, which is identified as an impediment to the growth of hydropower. Can you elaborate this challenge and its impact on the industry for our listeners? Why is hydropower being overlooked and what should the industry be doing to ensure the resource is duly represented in relevant policy discussions? Well, this has been a challenge for the hydropower industry. I think the fundamental problem has been that hydropower has been around for a long time, as you indicated in the introduction to this segment. The fact that it's been here and people have seen the dams and they think of them as maybe even part of the landscape doesn't make it new and exciting. Whereas some of the newer technologies, wind and solar, tend to get more of the attention. So they get the policy attention that comes with that. 
I think what has been not well recognized in the public policy arena, and we're seeking to change in part through the reinvigorating higher power report, is to describe for folks that while the concrete itself is pretty sturdy and probably going to last for a long time, the guts inside that dam are constantly moving in a very turbulent environment. And as such, they are degrading over time. And they require a significant amount of reinvestment in order to maintain their capability. We are constantly investing in our hydropower turbines as they wear out over time. Most of the hydropower in this country was developed, certainly the largest hydropower, by the mid-70s to early 80s. And so it's 40 to 50 years old. That means that there is a significant investment that is necessary in order to maintain it. And those investment decisions are being made commensurate with the alternative resources that could be purchased at the same time. So policies like tax credit policy, where certain resources get a benefit and hydropower does not, or renewable portfolio standards that don't include hydropower, I think they were put in place originally to try to move some of the technologies that were further out in the marketplace in terms of their commercial competitiveness into a more commercially competitive position. But as that has been successful, it's now time to revisit those policies and just say, if the goal is to try to produce electricity with zero carbon, then all generating resources that produce zero carbon should be treated in the same way, whether it's tax credit, renewable portfolio standards, or even markets. Organized markets can create advantages for certain types of resources over others. So we're trying to create that level playing field to assure that, in fact, we will produce the maximum amount of least cost renewable resources that will assure the reliability of the electric power system of our country. Steve, as we speak, the Senate has approved Jennifer Granholm as Secretary of Energy. When it comes to policy, where do you feel the Biden administration will be treating hydro compared to past leadership? I don't think that we know enough at this point to be able to make a determination as to how this administration will approach hydropower versus uh, other administrations. But I think one thing we know for sure, and that's the environment that this administration is creating, is one that is extremely concerned about climate change and about our need to reduce carbon emissions. There are many people walking into this administration who have vast experience. I spent nearly 30 years working in the federal government, and there's a lot of names I recognize of people who are coming back. And it gives me a lot of confidence, actually, that you have people with that kind of experience who are walking in and understand when you're trying to make this kind of very significant change to the power system of our country, it has to be done thoughtfully and carefully. And that it's going to take a variety of different types of renewable resources to produce the clean, affordable, and reliable outcome. And these are smart folks who know that nothing would do more damage to the clean energy transformation that we all want to accomplish than to have an electric power system that uh, did not produce the kind of reliability and affordability that we have enjoyed in the past. Hydropower is clearly a critical component in order to create that three-legged stool of a clean, affordable, reliable system. And there are lots of folks walking into this administration who know that. With the overarching goals that the president has set, including his discussion of uh, establishing clean electric standards, and clean electric standards by their definition would include hydropower, it creates the opportunity for us to be able to have this be, in fact, a period of renaissance for the hydropower industry. So Steve, I, I know that hydropower is also somewhat more of a, a regional energy source based on the natural geography. And obviously, there's a reason it's so prominent in the uh, Pacific Northwest. 
So I'm wondering if you think we need to, rather than look to the, the federal government for a real key look into where the direction is going, is, is it more important to, to refer to the state and local governments for that type of leadership? It's going to take a combination of both. Electric policy has always been a combination of federal, state, and local governance and regulation. And that uh, will apply in the next 10 to 20 years as well, particularly as we try to make this clean energy transformation. For example, the formation of a clean electricity standard, the specifics and details of that will make a difference in terms of uh, what types of resources are able to succeed and what, in fact, ultimately the the portfolio mix will be across the country. No doubt about it, the Pacific Northwest has a big advantage. We have a very big river in the form of a Columbia on the side of a very steep hill. And those two things are what you need in order to create hydropower. And we are able to produce a lot more of it in the Pacific Northwest than in other parts of the country. That doesn't mean that there aren't hydropower opportunities across the country. There are lots of dams that do not have turbines in them, which there could be opportunities to be able to produce hydropower. And I'm gonna come back to the The biggest challenge that I think we face in this clean energy transformation is we lack clarity around whether there is enough clean capacity to be able to maintain a reliable system. Something that can produce energy on demand, has flexibility, and uh, can be there on the coldest days and the hours when the sun is setting, and do so at low cost. We are struggling to find a resource that uh, can meet all of the needs the country is likely to have as we go to towards a 100% clean electricity system. We're going to need as much hydropower as we can get unless a radical technology development comes along that provides that clean capacity. So I see certainly there are parts of the country like the Pacific Northwest where hydropower is a bigger component than in others, but I see hydropower being an element of the solution of getting to the clean energy transformation all the way across the country. Another challenge comes from the accounting and labeling of hydropower. For example, certain clean energy or renewable energy mandates don't recognize hydropower as eligible for their purposes. Why is this the case? And how do you, as a hydropower advocate, work against these roadblocks? Do you think the big multilateral organizations fail to lobby for hydropower and inform public about its value? Or are wind and solar industries better and more effective? Well, I think it starts from generally public policy seeks to encourage the new and the innovative. Think back to just a decade ago, wind and solar were easily selling at over $100 a megawatt hour, and they needed incentives to help to pull them into the marketplace. It was a demand pull type initiative that the government was seeking to pursue, and appropriately so. If we were going to get to a clean energy transformation, we needed more renewable, non-carbon emitting resources. And for the most part, those efforts have been successful. They've been put in place in a variety of different places, whether it's uh, tax credit policy, uh, renewable portfolio standards that focus on specific types of renewables, or market initiatives that create advantages for certain types of renewables. All of those were put in place for good reason. We're now reaching a point, though, where the challenge is not just to try to move renewables from a few percentage points of the electricity supply of the country to 15 or 20 percent. We now need it to go up to 60, 80, possibly more percent in order to be able to hit carbon goals. The goals for our country have changed as the technology itself has evolved. As we reach those points, it becomes important that all of the generating resources that have the capability to produce electricity without carbon emissions be treated on a level playing field to make sure that, in fact, we are going to create not just a clean system, but an affordable and reliable system. 
And that's where I think the key challenge is that people have tended to look at hydropower as an established resource that doesn't need much help. But in the environment where we're going to be trying to maximize production from non-carbon emitting resources, and again, you've got some older assets in the form of hydropower that are degrading over time, it's going to be important that we create incentives to assure that we get the maximum least cost and reliable amount of carbon-free generation that we can. And that means treating all resources that are carbon-free in the same manner. What can the hydropower sector do to recapture the imagination as a long-term solution for the future clean energy mix? Is everything there is to know about hydropower already out there? Or does it have the opportunity for technological revolution like those by other clean energy sources? Well, I think there are two answers to that question. The first is we really do have to create the clarity around the need to be able to produce carbon-free electricity during what sometimes is referred to as the dark hours, the hours when it's difficult for some of the other variable energy resources to be able to produce power and, and yet the load still exists. We just have to do a good job of explaining that we need the capability to be able to produce electricity on all hours of the day across the year and that there are certain types of renewable resources that have that capability. Beyond that, though, I do believe there are opportunities for a technology revolution in the hydropower industry as well. Now, I will admit that the ability to translate the BTUs of falling water into kilowatt hours is the highest of any type of generating resource in the hydropower industry. But there still are opportunities to do better. And one of the things that we have spent a lot of time looking at is the question of how can we use new sensor technology to assure that we are understanding what's going on inside of our turbines and hopefully avoid forced outages because we don't know what's going on inside that turbine and something bad is happening, something is degrading, and we need to be able to get in there and fix it before we get a catastrophic failure of some kind. New sensor technology can allow us to better understand what's going on inside a turbine. The key here is both applying the technology, but then also creating big data sets. Big data sets are what allow you to better understand and to predict the types of outcomes that can occur, and especially the negative outcomes that you want to avoid. That's why we created the Hydropower Research Institute. With the New York Power Authority and Southern Company, Shalan PUD created the Hydropower Research Institute to gather data from hydropower turbines around the country so that we could create that big data set and then to be able to share it with others. And we've done this in a co-op model so that hydropower owners are able to work together to be able to share the data and be able to analyze it and hopefully in a least cost method. As of today, we have more than half of the turbines in the country who have committed to provide their data to the Hydropower Research Institute. And so we are in the process of developing that big data set. And I would just add for anybody from the hydropower industry, if you're not part of HRI, we welcome you. Come join us. We'd love to have you participate. The bigger the data set, the better the data is going to be. Well, it's clear from our discussion that hydropower has a huge growth potential, and given the implementation of industry-favoring policies, hydropower can realize that potential sooner rather than later. However, I'm sure that in our limited time here, we've really only scratched the surface of talking points. So for our listeners who have their interest peaked for the future of hydropower, what would you recommend they do to learn more and perhaps get involved as an advocate for greater hydropower presence on the grid? Well, I would start with the report that you mentioned at the beginning, 
called Reinvigorating Hydropower. You can find it either on the National Hydropower Association site or the Chelan Public Utility District or Chelan PUD site, available in both places. Uh, it seeks to describe some of these key issues that we're confronting in the industry, some of which we weren't able to get to today, so hopefully it'll pique your interest to go take a look. I think that's a good starting point. And then in general, the National Hydropower Association does a great job of providing information about the hydropower industry, opportunities that are there, and some of the challenges that we face. Steve, I want to thank you for such a lively and educational discussion. We'll definitely stay tuned to see whether or not these recommendations will be considered and how hydropower will reinforce its role as a key energy resource. Thank you once again for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. You can always reach Steve through the Energy Central platform or directly with Shalon PUD, where he welcomes your questions and comments. Once again, I'm your host, Jason Price. Plug in and stay fully charged in the discussion by hopping into the community at energycentral.com. See you next time at the Energy Central Power Perspectives Podcast. Mm-hmm.